Dr. Steve Turley, who sets ablaze the airwaves daily on Turley Talks, is back to proclaim that all is not lost, that we still can win this battle of subversion on this episode of United Patriots Uprising with Gary Benford. I'm your host, Gary Benford. Thanks for joining us. This podcast is available at RadioInfluence.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hope you subscribe to it, leave a rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends about the show. Dr. Turley may be the most optimistic person in America. He has an uncanny ability to locate and illuminate positive, uplifting information that intentionally is being submerged by the powers at B working against we the people. So it's great having him back for the third time sharing his vast wealth of knowledge. So let's get into it. He's an internationally recognized scholar, speaker, talk show host, and best-selling author of more than 20 books. In 2021 and 2022, he appeared alongside President Donald J. Trump and several key conservative influencers across the country. Now, he shares his expertise in regard to the rise of nationalism, populism, and traditionalism throughout the world on a daily basis. I welcome back to the show the host of Turley Talks, Dr. Steve Turley. Oh, Gary, it's an honor to be back with you. I'm sorry it's been so long. <laughs> well, it's been a while. And since you, you know, I'll tell you how long it's been. You were last on the show in November of 2021. Ooh. I'm still featuring several guests on the podcast. And what wow. a group that was. We had actor Nick Searcy, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Star Parker, Virginia Pradhan, Bishop E.W. Jackson, who now is running as a Republican for president, and you. Right. And the topic was God and government. Do religion yeah. and politics mix? That's right. For those who were skeptical back then, the last two years hopefully have slapped, <laughs> if not bludgeoned them into reality. Right? <laughs> so you're right. Yeah, it was kindly put. Slapped, not bludgeoned. Uh, but yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, that's actually a neat place to kind of pick up because it's almost like, yeah, see, we told you so, you know, you're, you're going to get a religion. It just, it, the question is which one, you know, but um, yeah, a way of, a way of looking at it, which is really interesting is we're, we're, we're kind of this whole woke insanity that we're experiencing right now. It, we're coming to the end of this very strange, more or less 300 year experiment known as modernity, or it's technically known as modern liberalism. And it starts in the 18th century enlightenment where scientists and philosophers basically declared their independence from religion, tradition and the like. Uh, instead of religion, they were going to build our society on scientific rationalism. Uh, reason, not religion. That was sort of the catchphrase of, the modern, of modern liberalism. It was also the beginning of colonialism, where they were going to supposedly civilize all the savages around the world and the like. The problem with that is that that's built on a very, that's built on a fundamentally flawed view of religion. Religion in a classical sense is simply the revelation of reality. Jordan Peterson's been masterful in demonstrating this to some of the most hardened atheists out there like Sam Harris. You know, our our minds, our cognitive structure by its nature sees the world in religious terms. Everyone has a sacred. Everyone has a, a, an absolute and unquestionable and inviolable. 
Everyone has a vision of the cosmos in relation to that sacred. Everyone has a view of society in relation to that sacred cosmos. Everyone has an ethical view. And the classical religions, the great civilizational religions, were simply the grandest revelations of reality uh, from the eternal all the way down to minute by minute, you know, from mountains to molehills and the like. And then and then that formed the basis for the great books and stories and cultures and music and architecture that reflect this religious vision. What's happened is that by turning away from religion, particularly for us, the Christian religion, the modern world has lost touch with reality. That, that, so, that, so, so if you think the world is going insane, it's because it is. And the, and the key here is you can't predict insanity. Not, none of us could have ever predicted just a few years ago that we'd be celebrating men getting pregnant. Or, 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 or we'd, we would have our, our, you know, enlightened woke leaders tell us to celebrate the first black woman to get on the Supreme Court who could not define what a woman is or, or Hollywood silencing a movie about human trafficking or at the same time promoting minors self-mutilation or affirming that children could identify as animals. Again, Jordan Peterson said it best. The culture wars have changed dramatically. We began in the 1990s with culture wars with a, with a definite difference of opinion on moral vision. Today, the culture wars are happening because one side has imploded into insanity. And it's all because we've turned our backs on religion. If religion is fundamentally about reality, turning our backs on religion means turning our backs on reality. And that's where we are today. We, we are literally dealing with a side in the cultural war that has lost touch with reality. Well, let's break that down and unpack it as it applies to the United States, because obviously if you were in Iran or if you're in Iraq or if you're in another country, what they would say is religion would be different than what we would say is religion. So in a Judeo-Christian country that was founded on the Judeo-Christian values with the God of the Bible and, and Jesus Christ is Lord, uh, we believe that Jesus is the only way and that there's only one God and all truth comes from him. So it seems to me, Dr. Turley, the fundamental breakdown has been that people have actually turned to the religion of their liking or created mm -hmm. their own God, which is most of the time, if it's not the real true God of the Bible, it is themselves on the throne. And so anything goes. And the show we did, we were trying to show two years ago that this country was founded on Judeo-Christian values. And if we turn away from them, we're going to lose the moral fabric of what that Constitution was about. And as one of the founding fathers said, it was written for moral people. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You got it. And that's key. We, we You can't help. You can't have self-government. So this would be different than the more Islamic theocratic vision of Iran and Afghanistan, increasingly uh, Turkey's, the Wahhabism of Saudi Arabia. That That is going to be a much more autocratic uh, vision of religion. That's, that's certainly there. What made America or just the West in general so unique was the was the notion this gospel notion of liberty? You know, just think of the 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 letter of Galatians. I mean, the whole notion is mm -hmm. you know, for liberty you have been set free. 
Uh, Jordan Peterson, again, uh, drop his name again, but he, he had this very interesting panel discussion. I don't know if you saw it on the book of Exodus, you know, with uh, multiple uh, traditions there. And, and um, one of the things he points out is one of the reasons why we are so incessantly ab- ab- find slavery so abhorrent is because we're the people of the Exodus. It's because of the, our, our, our faith rooted in a, a meta-narrative that tells us that tyranny is bad and that freedom is good. But again, what kind of freedom is right. it? Getting the heck out of Egypt, right. Yeah, getting yeah. the heck out of Egypt and not just being free from something, but being freed to, to something. something, right. That's right. the key. That's the key. I forget it. I think it was the director of uh, the Prince of Egypt. Remember that about 20 years ago, the, the animated uh, film, they wouldn't make that anymore. That's for sure. Or, or if they did, Oh, you know, heaven help us. But, uh, uh, the director was asked, why did you have the last scene as Moses coming down from Mount Sinai with the 10 commandments? And he said exactly that. I wanted audiences to leave recognizing that the Hebrews were not simply rescued from something. They were rescued to something. And this is what makes, again, the American experiment so fascinating because we define freedom uh, in a twofold way. So freedom is not just one thing. It's not just a freedom from tyranny, but it's a freedom for, it's a freedom to do what we are called to do, and that's virtue. And the founding fathers were unanimous on this. They called it the golden triangle of freedom, where in order to be uh, truly virtuous, you had to have a faith tradition. They, 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 they left it up to you more or less of what your faith tradition was, but we all know 98% of it was rooted in Judeo-Christian tradition, right? So you have your denominational uh, diversity, but generally speaking, your faith tradition had to produce classical virtue. But if you had true faith, real faith, you had to have freedom. You couldn't be coerced into it. So this is where we would we would find ourselves in, in stark contrast to what we might find in the Middle East, for example, other uh, places in the world. If you wanted true uh, virtue, or true faith rather, you had to have freedom. But what was the prerequisite to true freedom? Virtue. But in order to have true virtue, you had to have faith, which meant you had to have freedom, which meant you had to have virtue. That's the golden triangle, this interlocking uh, nexus of three dynamics. Take any one of those out and they collapse. The whole and we're, on the, we're on the verge of losing them all if we don't do something. And that's something you proclaim every day. Like you proclaim it is now time to build a parallel economy to live out our God-given freedoms and leave a legacy of faith, family, and freedom for our children and grandchildren. You please explain uh, what, what you mean by that, because this is one of the staples that you're talking about, that we, we've got to start taking the bull by the horns here. Yeah, it's part of this larger dynamic that's happening. It's really, we're seeing it playing out in real real time, especially with the sound of freedom or Bud Light's collapse, you name it, uh, or with uh, Elon Musk taking over Twitter. But what we're seeing play out in real time is something scholars call uh, consumer politics. And consumer politics is where we're increasingly voting with our wallets. We're increasingly taking our values into consideration when we make uh, consumer choices. And so so uh, consumer politics generally has two dynamics in play, boycotts and boycotts. Uh, 
So boycotts, well, we certainly have Bud Light mm -hmm. certainly learned the hard way as Netflix and Disney that have lost almost a billion Walmart, dollars in the yeah. last. Now you got it. They're all learning the hard way that if you offend our values, we're not going to shop. Uh, we're not going to purchase from you anymore. But if it's just deprivation, that's not going to take us very far. Can't just be boycotts. You've also got to have boycotts. You've got to You've got to actually invest in and purchase from and support businesses and parallel structures and institutions that in turn defend and protect and promote our values. So this is what made the uh, the uh, Elon Musk purchasing of Twitter so incredibly significant because up to that point, up to that point, the boycotts have been relatively modest. You do have some serious like ultra you know, millionaires are like Mike Lindell and so forth, or even Donald Trump with True Social. But by and large, it's been very modest mom and pop kind of endeavors, very humble endeavors to, to provide alternative means from the woke corporations, alternative parallel structures. But when Elon Musk stepped in and showed that you can actually, you could actually begin restructuring society around this boycott boycott uh, structure uh, at multi-billion dollar levels. That's when that's when I think you saw the left freak out. That's why they hate him uh, so much. And now you're seeing it with Sound of Freedom, where a a film that costs what, 14, 17 million dollars to make is actually competing with uh, films that had hundred million dollar budgets and beating them. So this is this is the astonishing thing we're seeing here where patriots are actually rising up and forming not just a parallel economy, but a parallel civilization. I mean, homeschooling is up 400% just in the last 10 years. Uh, people have been opting out of uh, you know, secular medical insurance and uh, opting into uh, healthcare cost-sharing ministries that the Amish have been using for, for, for generations. And they're finding that they're lowering their premium and yet getting it completely paid for as they, as they pay into a pool of fellow patriots who are paying for each other's Healthcare. I mean, you you could just go down the line. There's you know new payment processing systems coming out, uh, debanking that we saw Nigel Farage in England dealing with here. I mean, you've got uh, you've got now banks that are that are rising up, uh, and uh, Old Glory Bank, particularly in Oklahoma, saying take your money out of it. We'll never cancel you. We love patriots. That kind of stuff is. We're seeing a literal parallel civilization rising up, and especially seeing faith. Uh, uh, going through a comeback today, Rodney Stark at Baylor University says we're seeing the single greatest religious renewal the world has ever seen right now. That I mean, there's this is why Christian nationalism is like the thing now. It's because, frankly, seculars have stopped having kids and conservative Christians are having more kids than ever. And so you have University of London scholar Eric Kaufman coming out saying, you know, you don't have to be a genius. You don't have to be a demographer to figure you don't have to be a biologist to, to figure out that if you stopped having kids, um, you, your whatever worldview you put forward, whatever vision of society you're putting forward isn't going to get replaced. Whereas if you're having more kids than ever and we have 70, 80 percent retention rates among young people who retain their conservative religious upbringing into adulthood, and we've actually seen that going up among the Amish in the 1970s, about 60, 70 percent of Amish 
uh, retain children retain their Amishness into adulthood. Uh, a lot of them, you know, went with Rumspring and kept that permanent. Today, it's eighty to ninety percent. The more woke the world becomes, the more our kids are staying in uh, their religious traditions, and so that's why Kaufman believes by twenty thirty, uh, conservative Christians are going to be the super majority. Um, he thinks secular liberals are going to be no more than about 10 to 14 percent of the population in a matter of just decades. Well, Dr. Steve, I hate to be the bearer of some bad news, but unless we close that southern border up, Mm, the left, they don't need kids. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They're importing them across the border. <laughs> yeah, but but even but he, I I got you, Gary, and it makes it harder. But even that, you you've seen the polls. Even that is blowing back against them right now. Who's, who's one of the number one growing uh, Republican constituents today? It's Latinos. Latinos are conservative by nature. They're they're more pro life than any other demographic. They're more church going than any other demographic. So it ironically, this is ending up in even like places like Florida, it's ending up with particularly Cuban uh, voters, uh, Cuban Americans, Venezuelan Americans, Honduran Americans. They're coming in and they're saying, we're voting for Ron DeSantis. We're not voting for this, this socialist nonsense we've left. Well, let me ask you a question that I've never asked anybody before about, okay, so you have a lot of Latinos from all over the world coming across the Southern border. This is a democratic party thing. Yeah, a lot of these people are leaving oppressed countries, communist countries, socialist countries. They know what Marxism looks like. They know what communism looks like. They know what's socialism. They know what it smells like. They're running away from it. What's going is like? Are they going to wake up and realize, gee, the people that are bringing us over here are offering us just another version of what we just left? Are they ever going to wake up to that fact? Because they're the government is taking care of them. Yes, yes. But are they ever going to say, wait a minute, I I just left this. Yes, yeah, so yeah. Well, it seems to be, yes, yes. At some point they will. uh, I hope so, I'm not sure. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm with you. I mean, I'm with you. For me, I have no doubt they will because they they are repulsed by wokeness. They despise wokeness. The whole world despise, wokeness is weird. (laughs) <laughs> we we have uh, when 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 we're repulsed by wokeness, we have to recognize 90 percent of the world's population is repulsed by that. So so wokeness turns off even the left. You think of Bill Maher, Piers Morgan, the guys like there, even Elon Musk said he would have been considered he considered himself center left just four or five years ago. You know, the Overton window has just moved so far to the left with the woke and their propensity to excommunication. Right. Because it's just basically a, a strange fundamentalist pseudo religion. So I I just think I think wokeness implodes on itself and kills itself. But having said that, it's a question of, you know, uh, how long is it going to take? And this is certainly making it harder. There's no question about that, because they do get drawn into the cultural Marxist milieu where, hey, you're a victim. You you know, the whole I mean, I don't need to tell you, you you and your listeners know the whole uh, victimized culture. That's the heart of cultural Marxism. It's one of the things that made, I think, just on the side, Rush Limbaugh so great. I was listening to an old, I forget where it came up. I think it came up in a, it may actually even came, come up in one of our promo videos or something. One of our editors threw in a speech he gave at CPAC. And it was just so 
perfect. I mean, it was like 10 years ago. And he just said, you know, the difference between us and Democrats is for us, you're not a victim. We, we refuse to see you as a victim. You know, you're, you're, you have potential. You can be whatever you've, you've God-given potential been called to be and on and on. He gives this beautiful and inspiring speech that it's just as relevant, if not more so uh, today. But yes, they can fall victim uh, to that, that you're a minority. And as a minority, you're a victim and just systemic oppressive system, blah, 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 blah. We, we know the rhetoric. And it, and it is and it is enticing. But over time, what we're finding actually is uh, as they get more and more assimilated. Again, Eric Kaufman did a study called White Shift, which was very interesting. Um, and in, in the notion or the basic thesis is, is that Latinos are the uh, most prone to being integrated into sort of the mainstream of society. And then what we're finding is as they get more and more integrated, they become more and more uh, Republican. They, their, their voting patterns tend to reflect the, the wider voting pattern. And again, we, see, we seem to be seeing that in, in, uh, in Florida. What, I mean, Miami-Dade went red. I mean, that's, mm. that's insane. I mean, yeah, nobody's- Never, hadn't happened, right. No, no, well, and it's, it's, it's Latino. And, and again, it's specific, you know, I'm, be, I'm broad brushing, but it is, it is Cuban Latino, it's uh, is Venezuelan Latino. It's, it's the ones who, who have really uh, tasted the, the uh, Marxist oppression and don't and don't want it. And so and we're so we started to see that as well in the Rio Grande areas in um, in Texas. And uh, what's her name? I think uh, Gonzalez. I'm forgetting who who won a siege first Republican to win in in ages there. That's happened. That's a recurring pattern. She lost, unfortunately, in 2020, but she's uh, she's running again or 2022. I forget. Uh, yeah, 2022. She'll run again in 2024 in the House of Representatives. So we are seeing uh, shifting patterns going on among uh, Latinos. And then interestingly enough, among Republican Latinos, they're the biggest Trump supporters there in terms of the percentage of uh, support that he gets. If you're a Latino who has become a Republican, you are generally a faith, family, freedom, populist nationalists all the way. So so there's a lot of hope. But I, I don't want to uh, minimize uh, the uh, perplexity and complexities that are going to come solely as a result of this immoral and, and really murderous, horrific uh, policy we have at the border that, again, Sound of Freedom, I think, um, did a, a better job than anyone in, in portraying. I hear you, you know, and uh, speaking of uh, of victims and things, <laughs> being a victim of things like uh, as a black man, the only thing is we were talking about, I was talking to you before we started. The only thing I'm a victim of is following the wrong darn sports teams. <laughs> that's, you know, the Jets, the Mets, Jets. the Rangers, Jets. the Knicks. Oh, oh that's it. We're all, yes, our oh. New Yorkers, New oh, York. boy. Uh, so you shout from the wolf from the rooftops all the time about something you just brought up about the Republican Latinos that like Trump. You you shout from the rooftops all the time about the massive shift toward President Trump in the polls, both inside the Republican Party and the general election. But gee, Dr. Steve, the disingenuous mainstream media disagrees with you, but they, we don't care what they have to say because we know they're lying. What you're saying is great news for we the people, for MAGA, and for those of us who hold on to the precious foundations this country was birthed on. God, family, constitution. You are one of the few that have continued to beat this drum and say, hey, 
the shift, it's not going in that direction. It's going in the positive direction. Will you please uh, break that down for us? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, just for, again, from from a demographics perspective, as we're talking about, you know, um, the just the the inherent organic uh, dynamic is is one of growing uh, Christian uh, religiosity in the United States and in Canada as well. I mean, there's there's it in Europe as well. It's just it's not as big there as it is here. I mean, all you have to do is look at a map of red red counties versus blue counties and you've seen it you could everyone can picture it in their mind right now when you look at those maps <laughs> the red if you think of it this way think of the red as a super state it literally never stops you you could take your you could take a red pen and follow along the line you know or just anywhere anywhere you want of, of the, the massive red map of our counties. Now try doing the same with blue. And what are the blue? They're all major cities. Exactly. They're just the exactly urban patches here and they're primarily coastal, but you get in, you know, Chicago, get it in Atlanta, you get it in little patches here, here and there, Denver and the like. But even in a, in a uh, state like Oregon, for example, that yes. votes on average 15% mm -hmm. Democrat and so forth. They have, if I recall, 32, 33 uh, counties, uh, 27, 28 consistently vote Republican. If you got rid of Multnomah County, one county. Portland area. Yeah, Portland, exactly. One county, the Republican would win on average by 10 points in every single election. So what we're seeing in and then, of course, what we're we're seeing, too, is the mass immigration. They're kind of they're co collecting around a lot of those a lot of those areas. Cosmopod, just ask Eric Adams right now in New York what he's mm -hmm. doing with. And, and that's again, that's another bright side. Remember, well, well, he asked for it. You go, you got But now he look at him. for it. Now he's getting it. You Not got it. like it. <laughs> but exactly. But that's what I mean. Wokeness doesn't work. Wokeness is a it's a, it's it's a retreat from reality. And eventually reality bites back. Hold on. So, hold on. I, I my head's getting ready to explode because uh, I, I don't even know if I could make it through your next sentence. So <laughs> so so all these sanctuary cities. Yeah, we want to be a sanctuary city. So now oh, you're a racist. Send them all back to back to Florida and Texas. What is what is going on? Yeah, two words, Martha's Vineyard, remember? I mean, that, yeah. was, that was one of the most brilliant things that DeSantis did. He called their bluff. He called their bluff, and that's what's happening in New York. Eric Adams is coming out and saying, you can look it up, it's fascinating, what he's saying in every press conference over the last week, we need to shut down the border. This is insane. We can't do this. We can't sustain this. Public services cannot sustain this. What's happening in San Francisco? The, the 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 residents that have remained there, we have some studies that show they've lost 40 percent of their population. Right. Uh, California loses 100,000 net uh, residents every year for the last 10 years. Uh, contrast that to uh, to Texas that's gained 10 million in the last 10 years and it's gotten more red, not less. That's an interesting thing. They're just like Florida. Right. So uh, what you're seeing there is you're just in my view is you're seeing um, politicians being faced with reality. Reality is hitting them and they and they recognize that wokeness and woke frames of reference have no solution 
to these crises. And either they solve these crises or the donors that support them are going to leave or they're going to go and support somebody else. Because this, you know, in the end, if the donors want this, they're going to get it. You know how this works, Gary. If the donors want it, they're going to get it. Right. Uh, but, and that's why we have this populist revolt because all the donors are part of this woke, you know, uh, neo feudalized political class that we don't want anymore. So, uh, right now it looks like the donors have even turned on wokeness and now the politicians are turning on it. So again, this is why one of the re- these are, it, these are all the different frames of reference for why I'm so optimistic. In the end, wokeness defeats itself. It destroys itself. Look at the process of delegitimation that's happening now. Delegitimation is just a fancy schmancy word for saying, um, for for uh, for no longer trusting in public institutions. Just ask the Soviet Union and the Berlin Wall what happens when you have a critical mass of the population uh, delegitimizing their public institutions. They turn on them and they Down turn it goes. on them fast. Right. You got it. Down it goes and they implode. When right. even when even when when you start defunding the police and you start running to the police to help save uh, your city council, but they're not there anymore. They are, right. Yeah. It, it implodes. And that's exactly what I think we're seeing. Uh, every poll has shown over the last five years a an absolutely startling speed of 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 implosion in the level of trust that we have for all of our public institutions across the board. We're talking government, we're talking courts, law enforcement, public schools, military, and most especially legacy media. That's why that's the what what we're serving. That's our little niches. We we uh People no longer trust legacy media, so they come to to come to us and have a real conversation. We we tell them go research this stuff. Don't take our the science isn't settled. Go research it. You know here's the here's our best take on it. So we're all part of the conversation of trying to understand what's going on. You look at that delegitimation across the board. It's fascinating. I heard a leftist populist uh, scholar say it best. The people are more united than we have ever been. This is a On positive, both sides. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But 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 he would even say in 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 many respects the woke side of things is a is a radical minority. We the people are more you know we're more anti-war than we've been even at the height of the Vietnam era. We're more uh, we're more anti-racist. Racism is at an all-time low. If you, I'm a, I'm in a, a cross-cultural marriage. My wife is from Japan. If you ask people in the 1950s, do you believe in intermarriage? Ninety percent would have said no. Uh, only ten percent today. It's the exact opposite. All the polls show it's the exact inter, racial intermarriage is ninety percent of no problem. We we have never. But then what is our what does our political class do? Racism, 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 racism. racism right? right and and war, war, war. Right, the Lindsey Graham's and so on. Right, and, so and that's the, now. So you hit upon that. This is why President Trump has such a great path because yeah. you have the neocons and the Republicans, the, the war and the globalists, and then you have the Marxists and the socialists, everybody on the left. I see the red map you're talking about. I see it. I see his path. The things we're talking about, these are the things that he's going to bang that drum home yeah. about about America first, about nationalism as it applies to taking care of our country first yeah. and everything. And I see the map you're talking about 
But why doesn't that map exist nationally in the media? And how concerned are you again about the two little nasty words, election fraud? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it's going to happen. I mean, they're going to they're going to throw. I mean, they're going to throw everything at him in 2024. I mean, they already are. They haven't. Mm. They're so worried. They're so freaked out. They're trying to disqualify him from from the race. That I mean, they've we've literally gone that banana republic uh, in that sense. Um, uh, look, uh, so uh, Larry Sabato of, of Crystal Ball, mm-hmm. he hates Trump, a rabid anti-Trumper. He just he just published a piece today. I think it was in Politico. I'm forgetting where, where he cited a New York Times Siena poll that just came out. Now, New York Times Siena, sort of a standard bearer uh, in terms of gauging where we are. Um, Biden was plus nine. In <laughs> plus nine, like on November 2nd or whatever. Biden November should 1st. be at nine, period. Yeah, right. Exactly. So this was in 2020. He was plus nine. OK, uh, 50, 50 percent to 41 percent in 2020. And and we all know that Biden won. Ha ha ha. Mm. Uh, by 30,000 votes when all said and done between uh, Arizona, uh, Wisconsin and um, and uh, uh, and Georgia. So uh, more or less 30, 40,000 votes. All right. Plus not Larry Sabato is sounding the alarm because right now the New York Times Siena poll, they are tied. Now, (laughs) Sabato said if they're tied and if the last time Biden was ahead by nine, he barely squeaked by. This means we're looking at a Trump victory that's going to make 2016 look like a you know, look, look, look competitive. I mean, he was the first Republican to get over 300 electoral votes in 30 years. So we've seen this with every major poll out there, Gary. We've seen it with Quinnipiac, Harvard Harris, Emerson, New York Times, CNN, all of them, all of them are showing a double digit swing towards Trump over Biden since 2020. So what we have to understand is they're panicked. They're freaked out. They see it and they're going to throw everything they possibly can at Trump. So what do we got to do? That's that was the next question. Yeah. So what do you got? I I mean, two things. Bottom line, it seems to me it's it's two things when all said and done, we've got to have an incredible ballot harvesting um, strategy, uh, which which Southern California Republicans have. Southern California Republicans win in plus four Democrat districts because they use evangelical churches as their ballot harvesting centers. Mm -hmm. And so they and so evangelicals, as you know, vote 60, 80 percent Republican. But when you do it through ballot harvesting, we get that up to about 90 percent. And then the turnout uh, doubles or triples because everyone everyone's vote is not just 30 or 40 percent going out to vote. So what they found, I mean, one uh, uh, ballot harvesting initiative in South uh, Southern California uh, got 10,000 extra votes ballots. Uh, for the Republican just by doing this strategy alone. And, and if I recall, that was from one church and one church alone. Mm. So if we have something like that going on in California, going on in uh, Arizona, going on in Georgia, most particularly Georgia, going on in Wisconsin, uh, that's going to be very, very, very formidable. Because you know, Gary, this all comes down when you, when all is said and done, Electoral College. It all comes down to basically Arizona, Georgia, and it's Wisconsin. Uh, Trump wins 
all three of those, all of which have Republican legislatures. He wins all those three states. He wins. I mean, it's it's over. It's it's not it's, uh, you know, the, the Democrats ain't going to win Texas. They, they so that's not. one thing you're saying ballot hurrying. What's the other thing you said? The and, then, and, then the se- and then bottom line second uh, is we all got to go out and vote. We cannot stay home. It's got to be a margin of victory so massive. Mm-hmm that it goes beyond the margin of fraud. You can mar- the margin of fraud, as I understand, is about two to three percent. Right. You can you can finagle it past that. I mean, even the United Nations at that point would go, whoa, 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 wait a second. Five, you're getting in trouble. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's what we're gonna have to do. We're gonna have to come out in numbers like we never did before. Hey, I hear you. Uh, Dr. Turley, thanks for coming on. Please tell the listening audience about what you do, Turley Talks, which has more than 1 million subscribers on YouTube. You got about 15 million podcast listeners, and then you got a million more on platforms like Rumble and Twitter. So please tell them what you do and how often you do it and why they need to be dialing in. Oh, thanks, Gary. Well, what it, my, the shtick of the show is I analyze current events in light of conservative trends to have you to think better so you can feel better in these crazy and turbulent times. So that's uh, if you want to see how the world is actually becoming more conservative and we see it in more ways than we can ever imagine, tune in. I do about four videos a day and it's usually on our first couple of videos are on the uh, the big headline stories, what's going on in the elections or Trump or the latest uh, Hunter Biden thing. And then we get into some of the dynamics behind the uh, the decrepit permanent political class and and why permanent political classes do eventually uh, erode over time. Again, just ask the Soviet Union or even the Nazis or whatever. They they eventually keel over and implode. And we look at the dynamics behind that. And then uh, the uh, two other videos, we'll look at bigger uh, pictures. I talked about uh, today, secession, for example, uh, soft secession trends. We were talking about a little bit today of just the massive rise in homeschooling that's going on or the, or the parallel economy that's rising. Although scholars would see that as soft secession. We're actually building another world, uh, an alternative civilization that we hope uh, we know eventually will take over uh, the woke one. So I uh, do four videos a day, I do a live stream Fridays. We have podcasts uh, and then we've, we have our insiders club where we do a live meetup uh, on uh, Zoom uh, every uh, Monday night with uh, live Q&A. So come on and join us and I'd love to have you. Yeah, well, please tell people how to get your products, where to get your products and anything else you'd like to promote. Oh, I forgot that. <laughs> so, yeah, you could go. So just put punch in Dr. Steve Turley on YouTube. Same with Rumble um, and then any of your your favorite podcasts um, uh, platforms. And then if you want our, to go to our website, it's a very news oriented website. It's TurleyTalks.com. It's T-U-R-L-E-Y Talks, like TED Talks, dot com. Hey, Dr. Steve Turley, I always enjoy talking to you. It's been a while. I, I left you alone because you were just so busy turning out, you know, I didn't even know if you'd have time to fit me in. Thank you very much. Oh. Thanks for coming on. You're always welcome to come back because I got people here in New York. They listen to you religiously. And if it wasn't for you, they would have probably jumped <laughs> off the Brooklyn Bridge by now. Well, well, as an old Connecticut boy, I can't turn that invitation down. That's for sure. So, so thanks for coming, coming back on and God bless you and God bless your family. Oh, God bless you, Gary. Thank you so much. Thank you. There you have it. Dr. Steve Turley. 
I want to thank Dr. Steve Turley for returning to share his expertise on several critical issues that factions warring against we the people don't want us to know about. The truth eventually is going to come to light and great will be the fall of those who are suppressing it. I can't wait. It can't happen soon enough for me. What about you, America? This podcast is available for download at RadioInfluence.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hope you'll subscribe to it, leave a rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends about the show. If you're listening for the first time, we encourage you to check out the podcast archive located on the page. There you'll find previous episodes featuring more than 100 high-profile guests, including Judge Janine Pirro, Tom Holman, Carol Swain, Monica Crowley, Carrie Lake, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Brigitte Gabriel, David Horowitz, Diamond and Silk, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, Ben Carson, Kevin Sorbo, Naomi Wolf. That's it for now, friends. Thanks for joining us. So until the next time, this is your host, Gary Benford, saying God bless you, God bless your families, and God bless America. <laughs>